Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Commonwealth Club World Affairs of California. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight for our special program featuring a discussion with incredible AAPI woman talent and leadership. My name is Priscilla Lim, and I'm honored to be supporting the program tonight. So I would love to use this opportunity to thank our host Michelle Miao. She's going to come up momentarily. Our generous sponsors, Julia Gao, Collision of Asian Pacifics and Entertainment, also known as Cape, Nielsen, and Alaskan Airline. Special thanks to our community partners. I see them here today: IW Group LJ, Center for Asian American Media, Stand with Asians, Mark Yang. I see you there. California Asian Chamber of Commerce, Ascend NorCal. Cuts, I see you down there, and also Asian Leaders Alliance for amplifying this and for bringing you guys here tonight, and also JP Morgan. I see a lot of JP Morgan、um, colleagues here. Thank you so much for coming to support. Yeah, thank you so much for supporting our AAPI talent and your leadership in ensuring that representation matters. I would also love to thank Subver and Fin SF that will be supporting tonight's、uh, reception, the food and beverage. Without further ado, I would love to invite Patricia Rata Ratulangi from Nielsen to the stage. Pat is the VP of Global DEI Communications for Nielsen. She really cares about the community because I've seen her in many of these AAPI events. So thank you so much, Pat, and has been using her power. I mean, the power of Nielsen Insights to advocate for our community on and off the screen. So let's bring Pat to the stage. Thank you so much, Priscilla. So、um, thank you to all of you as well for having us here and for the opportunity to share some of the insights. And you know, Nielsen, we're a media and content measurement company,、um, and we like to make sure that we are providing the data to strengthen the case studies for why we need to drive representation for AAPI within the media entertainment world. So let me just give a lay of the land here, right? When we talk about Asian representation in media entertainment in the top most watched programs in the U.S., that representation stands at just a little bit above five percent.、Um, we started measuring this data in 2020, and the good news there is that it has come up a little bit. When we first started, it was just at 2.6 percent. So yay! But as we all know, how much is seen of us is just one important part of the occasion of the、um, equation. What's also important is How the stories are told, and what is being said and depicted about us, and unfortunately, our data also says that Asians, fifty percent of Asians surveyed, say that the, the representation that we do see of Asians are still inaccurate. Which brings me to today's、um, programming, right? And the reason why it's so important to have greater representation of AAPI talent, not just in front of the screen, but also behind the screen. And when we look at the short film、um, category within our data again,、um, as it relates to things,、uh, roles like producers, directors, showrunners, like the key roles within a production, anything that was related to API or non-binary, we came up with fifty records, and that's out of over ten thousand short film related records. So there's definitely a big opportunity within this particular genre. And that's why you know we are so proud to be a part of this program that really shores up the talent and the pipeline that makes it possible for real life stories to be told about AAPI non-binary female experiences. 
And, um, you know, we're here today to tell more about um, the winners who have made it big within this um, industry. And we were also excited about last night's Golden Globe Award winners. Yay. Um, we were also really excited with Bao when it won the short um, film Oscar a few years ago. And we're super excited to hear more from Liz and Take Me Home. Fingers and toes crossed that's going to be a winner for this year. And, you know, programs like this, we're empowering storytellers. And we're, when we empower storytellers, we're empowering those narratives that change perceptions and break stereotypes. So without further ado, let me bring on the, um, let me let Ms. Priscilla bring on the actual stars of tonight. And thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Pat. And now I'm going to be welcoming our esteemed panelists. First of all, our host and moderator for the evening, Michelle Miao. So I'm very honored to call them my friends. And they're like my mentor, my role model. So I'll start off with Julia Gao. So Julia is a powerhouse. She's a retired president and COO of East West Bank, alongside Janet Yang, which is our first Asian president of the academy, um, and Cape. She funded the hugely successful Julia S. Gao Short Film Challenge. The Short Film Challenge actually uh, provided production grant to four extremely deserving AAPI female and non-binary filmmaker, including Liz Sargent here tonight. So not only is Julia a superwoman, I'm so lucky to call her a dear friend, a mentor and a role model. Michelle Sugihara is another powerhouse. She's the executive director of Coalition of Asian Pacifics in Entertainment, also known as CAPE, which is run by four exceptional women. She's also an entertainment lawyer, film producer, and educator. Liz Sargent is a Korean-American adoptee, writer, director, and filmmaker, and the creator of Take Me Home, which has won the attention of people in Hollywood. So last but not least, our moderator, the wonderful Miss Michelle Miao, who has generously let us use this space, this beautiful space. Michelle is a member of the Board of Governance, producer and host of the Michelle Miao Show. Let's uh, join me in welcoming them to the stage. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Woo. Well... I have had the privilege and honor to spend some time with uh, our speakers in the green room, and a lot of secrets were shared, but <laughs> I can't share them with you, so I can break the ice a little bit before we jump into the conversation, and I think, you know, one way to do that is why don't we start by sharing, like, a, a film that maybe have empowered you or that you felt super proud of, you know, especially a film with an API figure, I'll kick it off for us, of course. Joy Luck Club. Oh. All right, Michelle. Mine will be Joyride. Came out last July. <laughs> Very fun and had a lot of great representation that we don't ever see enough of. Well, for me, it's also a Joy Luck Club because I came to the United States in 1978. You know, uh, I went to college at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. And in the 80s and, you know, uh, early part of 90s, you hardly ever see Asian, you know, like faces in the media or entertainment on, on TV. So, you know, the first time that uh, I saw Joy Luck Club, oh, you know, there are people that look like me, you know, in the movie. So uh, I think that that's very, very inspiring. Um, I guess I would say The Writer by Chloe Zhao. Um, I feel like it was such a beautiful, intimate film, and it was so much about um, 
disability, but it actually focused on just these people and their dreams. Um, and her making this white Western just sort of defies what's possible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, we're going to get into, right, the, the conversation about why representation absolutely matters. Tonight, the focus is on AAPI women and non-binary filmmakers. I feel super included in this, right? And when I saw the, the, the invitation, yeah, for even me to participate and be able to moderate with all of you, I mean, it was groundbreaking for me because sometimes for many of us, um, even part of the LGBTQIA+, to be invited into a conversation about women, we maybe sometimes get forgotten. So why don't we start with the importance of including us all and why we're talking about AAPI women and non-binary filmmakers. Michelle. Yeah, so this program was launched last year through the vision and generous support of Julia and Janet, as Priscilla mentioned. And when we were talking about what to name it, and we're, we're basing some of this on research that only 0.2% of women or of director of Asian directors are women. So you can imagine that that number is even lower for non-binary individuals. And so we just wanted to be very clear that we were inclusive of non-binary filmmakers as well. Even the work that we do at Cape, sometimes we'll get a lot of private messages saying, I'm XYZ, am I part of the community? Can I participate? And so we just really wanted to make sure that people felt included and just when they saw the name, they knew that they could apply. Julie? How I got involved is a few years ago, you know, I had a conversation with uh, Janet Yang because, you know, my background, I'm from the corporate world. And then a few years ago, there was an article, you know, at Harvard Business Review uh, article that talked about how Asian men is the least promotable you know, to management in corporate America. And then Asian women is even like uh, not doing, you know, like uh, as well as Asian men. So uh, in the subset of that, you know, Asian women probably do a lot worse than any other group. So, and I mentioned how like in the media and entertainment, you hardly ever see Asian women in the leadership position. And that really compounds the stereotype that Asian women are not good leaders. And that's the reason why probably they have, you know, uh, more challenged to getting promoted to management because of the bias and the perception that they're not, you know, like a, a good leader. So that's how, you know, like uh, Janet Yang was mentioning. How about, you know, like we work with Cape, you know, uh, I did not, you know, like uh, know Michelle Sugihara and Cape, but through Janet Yang, you know, like uh, uh, she recommended, you know, have this short film challenge for API women and non-binary writers, filmmaker, and that, you know, we provided production grants for them. So, and I thought that that was such a great idea. And I'm just so happy that we have like great talents and, you know, like winners like Liz Sargent, which, you know, uh, we are very, very proud of what she accomplished. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and congratulations, Liz. So I feel this is great that you're answering this question, last but not least. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I guess when I saw this grant, it was um, 
uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's if it's a big thing for me to apply for it because as an uh, Korean adoptee, I'm always sort of struggling about am I Asian enough? Am I a part of this community? Like, what are my layers of identity? And so to be included in this grant was just like such a big deal. Um, and what I also really loved about it is that it's really hard for a filmmaker to get started. You sort of have to have a get a grant to get a grant. You know, <laughs> and the fact that this was um, a pretty simple application and it was really script based and it was blind and it was just about is this story, does this story resonate to us um, was just sort of groundbreaking to have that opportunity. And so much came after it because of this grant. Um, we'll, we'll get into this so much, you know, followed because of the grant. A little later, and we'll talk about the impact of being able to support each other, right, in this way. But before we get to that question, I do want to go back to Michelle, um, kind of, well, Michelle and Julia, right? So opening it up as AAPI women and non-binary filmmakers, um, share with us maybe like the response from people who are applying, if if you can, it, you know, just where people like, me, me, me. Yes, me, me, me. Like a ton of, ton of folks who were excited about it. Yeah, we got a, a lot of huge response, actually, much more than we even expected because we, we wanted to say this is the first time, we don't know. And then the applications just poured in. And so we had almost 500 applications that first year for four spots. And just to give some context to this, the the reason, one of the big reasons when we were starting this is we said, all right, so Hollywood, for all intents and purposes, is essentially an insular club, right? And for better or for worse, a boys club. So how do we level the playing field a little bit to help women and non-binary filmmakers get a foothold? And so, so to Liz's point, to, that sometimes what you hear about is, Someone will win at a big film festival and that's how they get on the map. But we wanted to take the pathway even farther back and say, well, what if you don't have the money to make your film, to enter into this a film festival in the first place, then you're, you're just dead at the gate, right? And so it was really important to have this funding so that they could make the film. So to this point, they get that grant to get the grant is, is really to help that build that momentum. And so that was a really critical piece of it that was so important. And that's why we're so grateful that, that Julia was here to support it. But, you know, like uh, we really got great support from the community. Like uh, well, we talked to the people, you know, many of my friends, you know, contributed uh, to the short film challenge. So it's very, very gratifying to see, you know, that we just thought that, oh, we'll do this program. It turned out that, you know, like uh, we have, you know, like a uh, um, really, you know, have short film like list that, you know, one you know, like and have gone to so many film festival qualifying for Oscar. So, yeah. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, so back to Liz, right? So it's like, as a filmmaker, as a woman, API, uh, woman filmmaker, non-binary filmmaker, even, it's got to get the grant after the grant after the grant. That's a lived experience. What other lived experiences can you share with us that Asian uh, women filmmakers might experience? I mean, both the challenges and the successes. Mm -hmm. Um. 
You know, it's hard for me to 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 articulate that because my identity is so you know complicated. Um, but what I've really found is that being a part of this community and seeing these women and seeing their leadership. I remember at a dinner. Um, we were with Janet and Julia and Michelle, and I was like, these women are just like so wild and driven, and <laughs> they're just so themselves. And I was like, wow, I can be myself in this industry. Like, I can be my own weird self, and I can still succeed and be a leader. And that was the most empowering thing for me. Um, and it made me feel comfortable in this community. And I feel like they've just opened up their doors to um, create relationships and network and just demystify the whole system behind it. I was uh, actually chatting with Liz privately, and this question was probably, you know, personal for me because... I'm sitting up here, I'm on the stage 20 years ago. It was like, there's no way they're going to let me do the newscast or like even give me a TV show. I mean, look at me. Um, at that time, 20 years ago, I definitely looked like a little boy, a uh, little Asian boy. Um, and now I kind of look, you know, more like uh, what you uh, see in TV. And so thank you, Pat, for giving us the data on how diverse, you know, representation is becoming. But before we screen, take me home. I do have this question for for all of for all of you, you know, really um the impact of all of us coming together and saying no, you can be yourself. You can do this and I'm here to support you blindly, unconditionally. Here it is, here's my support. Do you be the talented you that you are? Michelle What's the question? <laughs> the, the importance, the impact yeah. of coming yeah. together and, and uh, you know, supporting each other in this way, supporting Liz in this way and saying that you can be you. Like that that's basically how I see the short film challenge, mm -hmm. what you and Julia, what Cape and Julia Escal, you know, film challenge is doing for many of us, especially women and non-binary folks. The impact is is really important because it's it's a really tough industry. And a lot of these people that look like us, we may not have the father or the uncle who owns the, the Hollywood studio, right? So like already the barrier to entry is very inscrutable. And it's like Liz was saying about like, how do you demystify it? Because so many people want to get in, but there are so many gatekeepers. And how do you make sure that we are shepherding the next generation and giving them the tools and the network so that we can be their guides into the industry. Yeah. I wish but, I knew you 20 years ago. But here you are. It's a good It's the best time. Yes. Julia. No, I think it's so important that, you know, like the community, we all support each other and uplift everybody because it's not just, you know, like a, you are but for yourself because it really is, you know, passing it forward, you know, like and helping uh, everybody because we want to make the pie bigger. The more people that move up and be the decision maker that can green light projects, you know, uh, that uh, they will give more opportunity for the Asian American stories, which is what we want because what we don't want is to be you know, consider as foreigners forever because many of us, you know, like we consider ourselves as Americans, but a lot of times, uh, I think that many of the people in the entertainment industries, uh, especially, you know, in 
uh, acting, they don't get a role as American. You know, a lot of time they really only get roles if, you know, has to be like immigrant or Asian. But, you know, like that roles are limited. But what we want is that to be considered as American and we all move up together and be part of the society that contribute, you know, and, you know, make, you know, like people, uh, give people opportunities. Yeah. And part of that problem is that executives are asking us to write certain Asian stories. And I feel like that with adoptee stories, too. They want like these tropes of, you know, what is it like to have these, um, you know, spectacular moments like, um, you know, meeting your biological mother or something. And it's like, you know what, the adoptee experience is so much richer than that. And I think um, having platforms like this for us to speak our our stories without... Um, them controlling the context is a big deal. Like we're changing the narrative of what an Asian story is by just creating the space and letting people be who they are. So Take Me Home, Liz's film, right, won the the, the short film challenge. And I will have to say I got a sneak peek and in 15 minutes it, it told more than just the film, the story. It told somebody's life story and it affected, you know, me personally as a one short little question for you, Liz, before we screen the film. And by the way, we're going around with question cards. Um, and so if you've got a question for our speakers, especially after the film screening, uh, make sure you fill that out. We'll bring it up to our speakers. Uh, is just kind of, you know, share with us a little bit about Take Me Home, being able to screen it tonight, especially with a, an intimate group like this who are here it feel like we're all like one big family and we're here to kind of support each other and the significance behind this experience together. Hmm. Um, I mean, every time I screen it, it's just so vulnerable. Like it's been over a year of screenings and I think almost 40 festivals and yeah, it's insane. It's, um, I, I never would have dreamed that it would have this kind of lifespan. It's so personal to me. It feels like a diary entry. And for people to be curious about it and um, and fall into the story is just very, very powerful. Um, I think that's all I'll say. For now. For now. <laughs> Let's talk about your process and in making this film and, and how personal it is from casting and you know, yeah. kind of the way that you put it together and even the music we learned. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we have to go all the way back um, because this is just so personal and it's really an examination of these um, questions that I've had in my life. Um, growing up as the middle child of 11, my parents had four biological children and adopted seven. Six of them are Korean. Several have different disabilities. And the youngest one is Anna, who stars in the film. Um, and so I've always been, I'm the middle child, and I've always just been wondering what's what will happen to Anna when my parents pass away. And it was this conversation that nobody would have, um, and they felt like it would be a burden, um, and it was their resp responsibility. But actually, it was a bigger burden for them not to talk about it with us. Um, and so I, this is sort of like a way that I multitasked 
um, because I started examining like what is going to happen, what is the guardianship process, what um, benefits are available all on my own and sort of forced the conversation upon my my parents. Um, and for me, you know, I started writing this and it started, it was written from uh, my perspective, the sibling's perspective. And I realized that there was something that wasn't really interesting about it that had been done before. Um, and I was like, oh, it's Anna's perspective that hasn't been told. Um, and so I wrote this script and I adjusted it. And um, the way I sort of work is I just have big emotional experiences and I need to place them somewhere. So I write little scenes and then I sort of see how they all fit together. Um, and so this is really just pulled from life. These are words and phrases that Anna has said before, moments that we've had together. Like when she says, how long will we be sisters for? She had said that to me <laughs> and it was just like, just like a heart wrenching moment for me. Um, Oof, I can't even talk about it now. <laughs> um, yeah, and so the whole process started becoming this way of like how, um, in the spirit of this panel, can I help Anna tell her own story too? Um, and so when we're filming it, you know, I also didn't want to push her to um, to mimic the lines or or say them faster. Um, I wanted it to really just flow and for her to feel empowered in it. And so the thing about Anna is she was born at two pounds. Um, they didn't think she'd make it. so They didn't do anything for her. Um, so she developed a cyst on her brain. And so she has very little short-term memory among many other disabilities. And um, so obviously that's a big challenge in making a film. Um, but what we did is we sort of did it on a structured improv um, where we had a script and the other actress has a history um, doing film and theater. And we sort of did it on this loop and I would tell Anna what to say. She would repeat it. It wouldn't sound very good because it wasn't natural. And then I would pull away and she would just sort of find the words and the rhythm and understand what was going on in the scene. And I feel like that's why I am so proud of her performance. Um, and it's just like the nuance and the reactions are just in her. And so there was no other way but to cast her in this because the story's told in her body and like the tension in her shoulders and in her eyes. And, um, and yeah, so in that way it was easy. Julian, Michelle, kind of what was your initial response or take like for your, for yourself once you saw Take Me Home? No, I think that it's really moving uh, that, you know, and it's very unique because like Liz said, you know, it's from the eyes of Anna uh, because a lot of time, you know, like it's scripted and then it's not, uh, you know, somebody acting to be disabled but so I really think that it's such a moving, you know, like film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, Liz alluded to this earlier, but the, the process of the challenge is it is a, a blind submission process. And so we first read the scripts. We don't, there's no names, no identifying markers on the script. So we don't know who wrote it. And we, it's really how does the committee respond to the words on the page? which we obviously loved. And then she got the grant and then it was now we get the, the rough cut and the final cut. And 
so I've seen this like 30 times now, I think. <laughs> but even just sitting here watching it now, I, I caught things that I, I had forgotten or hadn't seen the first time. And so I, I really see like why this is so impactful, like when you just watch it and the, the, the depth of the emotion and, and then just knowing Liz's story layered on top of that. And I, I hope she shares more about the music and it's everything was so well thought out. It's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And I, I guess I'd say on that, I feel um, like it was such a privilege to have so much room um, to sort of experiment with this. Like Anna is a huge risk. And I wasn't even sure how we were going to to make this possible. Um, and so it was a bit of an experiment and the whole process was. Um, and it was relentlessly from her point of view. And there are some risks in here that I, that, um, I don't know if other people would have let me make. Um, and for instance, is the music. Um, because I wanted it to be from her point of view, um, I was working with composers and they would bring me things and it was beautiful. It was so well made, but something didn't fit correctly. And I started thinking about this idea of like, is there ableism in the way that music is made? Um, and I was like, how does Anna think? What is her interiority? And so I had a friend of mine who's actually the gaffer for the film. And he hadn't played the guitar in a long time. And I said, here's a piece of music. Try to play this. And I want you to record all of it. I want you to record you learning it. And so what I got from that was I could hear his thinking process and the way he was processing the music. I could hear the wrong notes. Um, the rhythm was its own thing. And I was just drawn into it. So I took that, I chopped it up, I put it into the music myself. Um, and it just felt right for Anna. You know, it was like these singular notes that were just very clear and um, and you could just follow them. And actually the end of the film, that piece is built around, um, I had my mother and Anna hum this tune and just however they wanted, and I recorded it. And then I gave it to these composers and I said, now build a song around that. Like we will always center Anna's voice. Um, and then they built the piece around it, you know, sort of adding in a rocking chair for memory, um, but always led by her. Yeah. And that's your real mom, right? That is my real mom. Yeah. And that is their home. Um, so yeah, it was incredible. They just, they just were so excited to offer me that, um, and, and to have their story shared and visible was just, you know, really exciting for them. We, we want your questions as well. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I think, I think Billy is going around with, uh, question cards if you haven't received them and, and picking them up for us. So. We'll make sure to get it to us. There's Billy. Awesome. Wow. Yes. Oh, that's a lot. Thanks, Billy. Yeah. Okay. Um, awesome. I'm going to save these actually for a, a couple more questions. I want to stick with, with the film um, while we're at it. I wanted to ask, so has Hannah seen the film? Yeah. Um, she has. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, I was blown away that we got into Sundance and they got into South by and like, and that it was so well received. And so we told her and it's like, how can you comprehend what that is? You know, how can you comprehend that her face and her story is going to be shared with you tonight? 
Um, and so that that I don't even know how to communicate the power of what she's done to her for her. Um, but we did uh, screen at Florida Film Festival. And so my family was there and Anna was there and I turned around and I filmed her watching it the whole time. <laughs> And she was just eating popcorn, loving herself, you know. And she was with her friend from a Special Olympics sitting next to her. And at the end, he goes, you did it, Anna. And yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. And I mean, the whole process of it was incredible because um, the whole crew sort of knew who was number one. And she could feel her power in the room. Um, and she just grew so much in it. Like at some point, she was like calling cut. She's like, we're done, <laughs> you know, and she told my sister and I, who my sister was an education director on it and um, an associate producer and helping sort of be her guardian through it. And she was like, and the the hair and makeup person was doing Anna's hair and she kept messing it up. And Anna could like sense that, you know, she was frustrated. And my sister and I were just laughing in the corner. And she was like, you guys need to be quiet. I need to focus. She needs to do her job. And we were like, whoa. And to me, it's like, you know, Anna lives with her parents. Um, she is a 34-year-old woman. You know, she wants to be going out and doing things. They don't have the energy or the capacity right now. And so, you know, the crew was the same size as our childhood family. And she's like used to that energy. And she like grew and was just so stimulated and excited. And by the end of the film, it was like, oh, this is the life she should be having. You know, she should be included in the community. Yeah. Julia, Michelle, I mean, to hear, right, the initial response and to see the film do really well, um, kind of share your your thoughts and how your your responses from it, like, wow, you know, this is this is really happening. The, these, this story is being told to, to a lot of people. I think it's extremely exciting just to really have the opportunity to screen it in so many different places. And it's obviously such a wonderful conversation starter. Uh, we've done a little tour around the country and we've been in New York and Austin and here. Thank you so much for having us and just really for me, seeing the audience reactions, uh, there's tears, there's a lot of connection being made. After the screenings, uh, people come up to Liz and they'll tell her their stories. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important just for all of us to know that our stories matter. And that's really part of why we do the work we do. Awesome. Yeah. Same thing. I think that is really gratifying, you know, that we, you know, give the opportunity. But, you know, like for uh, the people, the audience, uh, a lot of people told me how they relate, you know, uh, because they have family members or, you know, uh, somebody that they know uh, that is intellectually uh, disabled. So I think that how you make the movie and have, you know, like the story be told from Anna's perspective, open their eyes because, you know, a lot of these people never really thought about, you know, uh, their perspectives. You know, they always, you know, think about you know, like how they view things. So, so I think that it's, you know, like that whole program and, you know, like for what, you know, like came 
you know, has done an amazing work in, you know, like uh, providing opportunity training and all the programs for the, you know, filmmakers, writers, and everybody, you know, in the ecosystem of the entertainment. So I just think that they have done such a tremendous job. And hopefully more people will support Cape. <laughs> I tell people, you know, like everybody that I know, you know, like uh, with all the work that they do, you know, the more support, you know, the more that they can do and provide more opportunities to the people. We got a lot of questions about, yeah, next stories and films. Liz? I was just going to say, I think what's also really exciting is that it's um, become such a universal story. And so like the film challenge and um, Asian voices have reached a wide range of people um, and communities. And um, and that's the most powerful thing. Like we don't want to be insular, you know, mm-hmm. and Anna, you know, this is not necessarily about disability it's about sisterhood you know it's about family and that's something everyone can relate to but it's told through her eyes and her perspective and people connect with her and that's what it's all about i think it's a hundred percent why i love the film so much and i want more and we're going to talk about the wanting more part um going to go through the audience questions thank you so much these are incredible questions how did you come up with the title liz Hmm. um You know, it was, I've been thinking about, you know, being an adoptee and um, growing up with like all these American influences um, and America. And I think to me, there's this other issue here about like the healthcare system and assisted living and us not knowing what happens next for people with disabilities or aging um, and how hard it is to navigate that. And so something felt super American about um, John Denver's song, Take Me Home. Um, And so I used to that, but also just as like the jumping off point, but also, you know, after it was edited, after it all came together, I looked at it and I was like, oh, there's something so poetic about Take Me Home. Like the mother is passed away going up to God or wherever. Anna's looking for a home. The sister's being called back to home. You know, what is home? Um, so, yeah, that's a big part of it. Wow. Thank you. How long did it take you to shoot the film? Hmm. Um, you know, we did four days, which is pretty standard for a short film. Um, we did two days of pretty intensive prep because we really wanted to make sure that um, we knew what every setup was, whatever production um, setup was, uh, because we wanted to give as much time for the performance. And so sometimes we would do like 20 minute takes where the camera was just rolling because we were doing that loop. Um and a big thing, I, you know, I like to remind people is that, like, it didn't cost more money to empower Anna and shift the system of how we were making the film. Um, it was the same amount. It was just about us shifting the way that we were thinking as well. And I think it was really additive to the film. Uh, the For this question card, there are several questions. And I think I'm going to be strategic about asking a few of them. We're going to go back to Julia and Michelle. And uh, this question is, you know, what was the the criteria for selecting grant winners? Ah, I mean, really, it was, it started with the script. So it was, we asked for 
a maximum of 15 pages. And so it was just really the, the content, the structure, is this something that could be realistically made? How did it hit us? And, and then we had an interview process for the finalists and, and then we made our selections. Anything to add, Julia? Mm. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Oh, uh, um, Liz, back to you. Does using your younger sister instead of an actor exploited disabled person? Did you pay Anna? Does Anna have an attorney, agent, social workers? And last, why nothing about adoption on Asian parents' privilege? I'm going to leave it up to you and kind of how you want to navigate. Um, <laughs> let's talk later. <laughs> um, I mean, my sister, we are co-guardians to Anna, was on set and there the entire time. My parents were a part of the process the entire time. Um, I think it's hard because Anna can't articulate the way that um, a lawyer might want her to, um, but we always had her best interest and um, we were always centering her agency. Um, and so I think that's what's interesting about the film is like because she can't articulate in the way that we want her to or expect her to or feel comfortable with doesn't mean she doesn't know what's going on. Um, and so somebody does have to be that gateway for her. Um, but again, I mean, I think this is where Anna should be. She felt such like such a whole fulfilled empowered person. She loved the film festival. Um, she was out partying, doing karaoke. She got a boyfriend, sort of, and then told me she had seven boyfriends. So, you know, like, she's living her life. <laughs> um, okay, this question back to, for I think it's for Michelle and, and Julia. How do you recommend getting started and entering this industry when we are currently, as you aptly mentioned, standing on the outside, wanting to commit, but not yet having the pathway or means to leave this ability um, or, yeah, have to enter a path of uncertainty. Yeah, I, I mean, find and join the community. I mean, you coming here tonight, that's amazing. Like just showing up and meeting like-minded people, um, getting out to just finding your people. Um, I think in person is really great. The events like this, afterwards, we're going to have this lovely reception where you can talk to people and actually make those connections and find collaborators. And, and you can also follow Cape. We're on Instagram at KPUSA and check us out. And we're hoping to do more things in the Bay. I would say that, like, my message in general, uh, even the corporate world, you know, like, we uh, Asian, uh, we grew up, you know, we work very hard, but a lot of time we don't spend time building relationship networking uh, in any industry, especially in the entertainment. You need to really go out there, like, meet people, you know, uh, that, you know, like, uh, eventually, like, uh, your, you know, network will bring opportunity. So, but that's a lot of time, you know, like uh, I think that maybe a lot of people, they don't do enough in, uh, of that. I think that's a good segue to asking you, which is a question here. Um, we've talked about supporting, you know, CAPE. We've, we've talked about supporting more of us in the industry. And then 
So this, this is a question I think people already know. Is the next step a feature film? And if so, how do we support the feature film? Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, I, I guess I want to jump off of that too. I think, um, you know, this film took a long time to develop. It started as a documentary and then it like was different iterations of a script. It went, uh, I applied to a lot of things and I think the networking thing is important to show your face and to be uh, knowing how to talk about your work um, and also to be applying and failing because there are people do track these projects. And so even when you're not getting things, you are still moving forward. And it's a really hard thing to remind yourself because it's very exhausting. Um, but it all adds up to something. And it's exciting because like this last year, I can't believe what's happened um, and how it's grown. And we're pushing for a feature. And all of that, you know, doesn't happen overnight, like we've been talking about. Um, and, you know, now we have all this community support around us, like so many organizations that I've been talking to you to for five or six years, just about what this project could be and how I'm going to build it. Um, and so that momentum is um, sort of all coming together right now. And so right now we're um, piecing together and developing the feature um, and we hope to make it happen in the next year, talking to production companies and financiers and um, we'll be back here next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's time for one last question. So I'm just going to kind of summarize a couple of, of, of the questions that we haven't gone through from the audience yet. And, and it really centers around, you know, what other stories do y'all think still need to be told or yeah more of especially as it applies to api women and non-binary filmmakers so we'll start with michelle and end with liz the sky is the limit really i mean it's only circumvented by our imagination right and i, I think that even this film is an example of how the specificity can be so universal and I know everybody has different stories. Everyone, we all walk a different life. And so really, I think there's so an infinite number of stories that, that can be told. And uh, I'm excited to go on the journey with, with everyone and hopefully support as many as we can. Yeah, I just would like to see more, you know, like uh, stories in and that, you know, in the media entertainment that include, that is more inclusive the representation for Asian Americans, especially, you know, for the uh, AAPI women, I hope that they can get featured, you know, in the leadership position. So just to tell, you know, like a story is that when I had a dinner, you know, with Michelle Yeoh, the dinner is actually to celebrate Janet Yang and Michelle Yeoh came to my dinner. So I was telling uh, Michelle is that my dream is that for you to play as M, you know, which is James Bond boss, not as James Bond, but as a boss, you know, like now, you know, you got promoted. So you are the boss, you know, and, uh, you know, you can show your, you know, like, um, uh, martial arts, you know, uh, somebody attack you and then you can do the fighting, you know, but, you know, like, uh, so that, you know, I told her that and then she was like, well, you know. So. Or Rochelle Yeoh is Charlie in Charlie's Angels. Uh, 
Yes, yes. Yes. Got it. Honestly, but Charlie doesn't show up though. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So then I thought about it. Be, um, that won't work. Yeah. That won't work. Julia is <laughs> writing that script as we speak. So we're financing it. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. the big boss. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, I'm thinking a lot about adoptee voices. Mm. Um, I think that it's something that's used as like a trope, as a plot point, but it's like a deep, um, thick, sound experience and way of seeing the world. And I think that those stories actually haven't been tapped in the way. Um, like there's just amazing stories on every level, not just reunion, but just, you know, how they experience the world. So that's my hope for next step. Michelle, Julia, Liz, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for representing for us, supporting us. And Liz, congratulations on Take Me Home. We're on this road with you and Anna and supporting you in the future film. Let's give a round of applause for our speakers. And of course, a big round of applause for Priscilla, who is our MC tonight and also a big supporter of this evening. Thank you, Priscilla, for bringing us together. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, Nielsen, Cape, for also bringing us all together. Thank you for your work. And we'll find out more how we can support all of you a little later in this special reception that we're having. There's going to be some food, definitely some adult beverages, if you want some, and yes. also some, uh, you know, non-adult. Well, Everybody drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be there, too. You're more than welcome to go up to the rooftop. So just hit your um, R for rooftop if you need some fresh air. And then uh, right outside the lounge here will be where we're serving. Please have a whole lot of fun. Thank you to our community partners. We would not be here without you. Thank you to the Commonwealth Club World Affairs of California. I'm Michelle Miao. I hope to see you again. Woo!